0: Geekville Radio. Hello out there, uh, geeks and geekettes. This is Seth, a.k.a. Zandrax, the mayor of Geekville and the host of Geekville Radio, coming at you with a big anniversary episode. I guess you really didn't call it anniversary, but this is the 300th proper episode of Geekville Radio, and I was really going through trying to find some special way to celebrate 300 episodes, and we are doing those projects. They're just unfortunately not going to be in this episode. That was the original plan, but as you might be able to tell, it's been a month since we've had an episode out, so... Rather than delay the episode and have this huge, mega, super size episode, we're going to do more of a conventional episode. Train will be along later. We're going to review the last several episodes of The Book of Boba Fett. Get up to speed on that, because as of this recording, we're a couple days away from the season finale. Might as well wave the spoiler tag now, because this is going to be one spoiler-filled episode, not just for Book of Boba Fett, but the... Third segment, we are going to talk Peacemaker, the new HBO Max series starring John Cena, reprising the role from last year's The Suicide Squad. It's James Gunn. It's a hard R-rated, so you know what you're going to get, and we'll discuss that a little later on. But first off, we're going to discuss some news. First up on the docket is something from the Calm app. The Calm app is an app for phones, and I think they even have computer versions as well. It is an app that is used for sounds and music and such to, well, calm you, go to sleep, stuff like that. So there might be the ambiance backgrounds, the white noise type thing, whatever they call that background soothing to help you calm or get to sleep and such. Well, they have added a history of Transformers story. I don't know how Transformers are supposed to calm people, but hey, it's my generation. I guess you could say that Transformers would help calm me. But not only that, the story is going to be narrated by Peter Cullen, Optimus Prime himself. And here's a little snippet of that. Now, the Calm app is paid. You do have to buy it or have an account on their website and such. So in order to truly hear the story, you do have to sign up for Calm. I'll give the link out in the show notes at geekvilleradio.com slash 300. Just the number 300, just like,
1: this is Sparta.
0: 300. And if you want to check it out, you can certainly do so. Not a, This is not an affiliate link or anything like that. Just you, you click the link and it will take you to a column website. Next up on the docket, Train might have an interest in this and certainly any Batman video game fan. Apparently there is an Arkham collection being released for a Nintendo Switch. That will be set for August. And we actually talked about this series before in a previous episode with Train because it very well may be that the Gotham Knights game and possibly the Suicide Squad Kills the Justice League story could be set in that same Arkham universe. Now, this is going to be the three Rocksteady Games productions, Arkham Asylum, Arkham City, and Arkham Knight. It will apparently not include Arkham Origins because that was not developed by rock games that was another company and i kind of look to it as being like the never say never again the james bond movie with sean connery that came out in the 80s that isn't an official james bond movie because it was not developed by albert broccoli's estate so if you ever see the sean connery collection for james bond or whatever it doesn't have never say never again on it because it was a completely different studio Now, the Suicide Squad, Kill the Justice League, that's being delayed till 2023. I doubt we are going to see Gotham Knights before that as well. But it does make sense. Whenever a new game in some series or a new movie or whatever gets released, there's usually a re-release of a previous series to get people up to speed. And it'll be interesting to see if there's anything else included. And a lot of times these re-releases, they might have special exclusive stuff. So if you bought the game originally 10 or 15 years ago, you might want to buy it again this time around. Something that's a few weeks old now, but the Weird Al movie with Daniel Radcliffe, this actually may have been inspired by a sketch from Funny or Die, because there was a parody called Weird, the Al Yankovic story on Funny or Die, and I kind of made fun of the weekly artist biography series that pre- that were so prevalent around 2000 2005 or so on VH1 and such you saw them all over the place and we're actually did have one of those i think it was VH1 legends where in a lot of those biographies and a lot of those documentaries there's usually that about 10 year period where the artist falls out of grace falls out of the public eye and The addiction set in, they go broke or whatever, and then it ends with them. They're playing to be one-tenth the size of the crowds they had before, but they're happy because they're uh, clean and making music again or whatever. Of course, that never happened to Weird Al. Here we are over 40 years later, and people still know who Weird Al is. I'd be curious to see if this biography movie will have Daniel Radcliffe Performing anything, if he's able to sing, or will they be new renditions of, say, Fat or Dare to be Stupid or anything like that? I think it'd be kind of funny if they redid some of those. I think we're almost certainly going to get new stuff from Al for this movie. Probably something to play through the credits or something like that. And anybody that knows me knows I'm a huge Weird Al fan. So I will definitely watch this as soon as it's available. And lastly, to wind up our news segment here, there was a story released. In the Reno, Nevada station K O L O, Jeremy Renner is apparently getting a new Disney Plus series, and no, it is not Hawkeye season two. Although I do hope we get a Hawkeye season two because I, I loved the first season. Jeremy Renner is actually getting a show called Renovation, and what it has to do with is Jeremy Renner helping renovate. Get the play on the name there buildings and houses and stuff like that because it's it's just it's a hobby he has it's his way of giving back to people and to society and such and there is one specifically this story is is about renovating old fire engines because fire engines of course are not mass-produced they're usually built to order for whatever fire company needs them another story over at Gamespot says that The show is about Runner's love of reimagining unique purpose-built vehicles to meet a community's needs. It's about Jeremy Runner's lifelong passion for giving back to communities. So it sounds like this is going to be like a Pimp My Ride or This Old House or whatever, but with Jeremy Runner involved. So it'll definitely be interesting to see how many episodes they do with that, how well it's taken by audiences. And it just seems to add to the whole thing of Jeremy Runner just... All around being a cool dude. Uh, Brie Larson is also getting a series, but it looks like it is going to be more along the lines of the up-and-coming stars. Looks like singers, maybe people wanting to be actors and such. Brie Larson's series is going to be called Growing Up. And according to Deadline.com, Growing Up is a hybrid docuseries that explores the challenges, triumphs, and complexities of adolescence through, the, through 10 compelling coming-of-age stories. I'm assuming we're probably not going to get either of these before the end of the year. But we will check those out when, it, when they come out and tell you what we think when it comes about. So that just about wraps it up here for the news at Geekville Radio. We're going to take a quick break. Train will join us for the rest of the show to discuss Book of Boba Fett and Peacemaker. This is Geekville Radio, and we will be right back.
1: Are you looking for a gaming theme podcast? Check out You Just Got Frag. Join host Jared Aubrey and this panel of gaming enthusiasts as they discuss news and accomplishments in the gaming world, and of course, the gripe of the week. That's all at YouJustGotFrag.com, part of the Wrestling Brethren podcast family. I am Boba Fett. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert!
0: Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert all right, moving on to the first of our two major reviews here. We're going to get caught up to speed on The Book of Boba Fett, streaming now on Disney+. Plus. We have one episode left. The penultimate episode aired last week, and I was saying off mic that this was kind of the, the Star Wars I'd been missing for the last 40 years. But let's get caught up to speed on this. I think I can summarize most of this, what happened in episodes essentially two through four the we established that not all sand people are bad there there are different tribes some are more bloodthirsty than others we had jabba's twin cousins show up and try to take over the territory still don't know why they waited like seven years or so to to do that
1: right (laughs) am i wrong and 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 just they were they did a really good job of making them extremely revolting which huts oh really are. kind of let's be honest and i think they're slugs the I think it's the links. first
0: time we saw more than one hut at, at one time, at least in live action.
1: No, no, we saw two. Oh watching yeah, pod yeah, races was there, didn't we? Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was like Jabba's. Yeah, some, girlfriend, I, think, yeah right? I think
0: she was to I think Moss what what Jabba was to Moss Eisley or, or or something like that. I think I think Anakin. explained
1: it. I just remember I just remember when I seeing that and thinking about job of having a girlfriend i was like ooh, mm-hmm. the visual thought of a two huts mating was there's enough to do i think yeah. i just threw up in my mouth you know <laughs> they
0: seem to really be doing well get, showing boba getting brought into the tribe and then we're like, i think it was like the yes. third episode they just wipe them all out but i mean that's part of the grand story i think it is part of the hero's journey because uh right. like it or not i know some people aren't liking that boba fett's going this way I know you don't like me using too many wrestling terms but in a sense Boba Fett is a heel that they're turning babyface. Now he's an anti-hero babyface. He's not he, the tried and
1: true good guy. He's a character. He's a, he's right. a character. But babyface. when you think he is a stone cold Steve Austin, Undertaker, Mick Foley, Dusty Rhodes right, babyface. Right. Right. <laughs> and
0: when you think about it the stuff that he's gone through because he fell into the uh, pit, yeah, yeah, he fell into the pit. pit of the Sarlac, he managed to find his way out. He escaped death there. Uh, then the Jawas made off with all of his stuff. But it was the Sand People that actually, for the better part, rescued him. Now, I think they were using him essentially as a
1: prisoner at first, but he worked his way up. I liked the, well, once again, the hero's journey you talk about. They did that great device of why would these people who are very xenophobic accept this guy? Because he saved one of their youngs. This this whole idea, that serves a double purpose. This whole idea of you're protective of your young, that is something we equate with goodness we as human beings protect our young we don't hurt the kids so it, it softens the the, the tuscan raiders the sand people and at the same time it gives you a reason to understand why and it also Boba right. fett's not a bad guy he didn't just indiscriminately kill a kid what is, is that not one of the most villainous things you could you can have your villain do in any story stories the, the,
0: the child is the epitome of the innocent life I mean,
1: not 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 to get religious or anything but i mean Bible's been around a long time. This is a source that many writers used as inspiration. What made King Herod such a bad guy in the in yep. the story of Jesus' birth? Because he, he had all the, kids all the kids killed. Yep. <laughs> he wiped out all the sons because he was afraid this king was going to rise and, 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 and usurp his power. I'm like, well, is there a more healish thing you nope. he can do?
0: Nope. And, and what I also think works as kind of a mirror or a ring, if if you go into Star Wars, there's, there's that thing about the Star Wars ring theory about how things mirror and George talking about right. how it's like poetry, at rhymes. What happened in the yes, fourth episode yes. when Boba Fett saw those blasts in the sky took off and he found Fennec Shand, somebody else left for dead in the, mm-hmm. in the sands of Tatooine. He knows exactly what that feels like, so he made sure to get her nurse back to health. Again, that 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 mm-hmm. is a heroic trait in somebody who you might not have thought would have been heroic before. I mean, if it was a few years before that, before he himself got left for dead, I doubt he
1: would have cared. He might have looted the body mm-hmm. or something. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I, I think, yeah, I think something that, that George does really well throughout Star Wars is probably why they're so well beloved. It's because this is the trait that is used going all the way back to, you know, when stories weren't even written down, they were just the wise man in the tribe telling the stories of the tribe around the campfire. There's this idea of karma, kismet, fate, destiny, that I don't know what George's spirituality is. doesn't matter for anybody whether you're whether you're spiritual or not. I think every person has this belief or idea of, you know, paying it forward. You return the favor; the good you do comes Put back others to before you. Before yourself, I think everybody yeah. believes that. At a, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think everybody puts that has to a certain level that ideology. And this is this is a re- repeated motif and theme in the Star Wars franchise that the good you do comes back to you. Ultimately, all the bad that the Emperor does c- catches up with him, and he has his own apprentice turn on him and kill him. All the good that Han did to try to, as, as Black Widow would say, clean the red off of her, her ledger. That finally comes back when Han is thawed out and saved. I mean, right. you see what I'm saying? It's, just, it's just a common theme. And it's just basic storytelling. Stories for centuries, millennia, all uh, have morals to it. You know, Have have, have, have this, the moral of the story is. And I think one of the oldest morals that people still cling to is you do good things, good things will happen to you. You do bad right. things, bad things will happen to you. It's a good way to teach uh, young people all the way up to old people, treat people the way you'd want to be treated because yeah. it's going to come back on you. And this is a great example of it. You know, like you said, he would have looted her if he was truly a, a, a bad guy, but he, he, yeah. he returned he could, the He could tell, life, tell she was alive
0: you know? and did what he could to. And I don't yeah. think he necessarily did that to earn her like life debt or anything like that. I think he did it because it was the right no, thing to no, do. No, 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 no. Now, I think she felt kind of obliged to it and she knew there was a bounty on out on her. So she knew mm-hmm. that okay, I owe this guy something, and hence her her offer. Well, if I help you do this, will the debt be considered paid? And both of us like, yeah, yeah. If you think that's fair, right?
1: Well, if you're gonna have an ally, having the cavalry as your ally right. is not a right. Bad exactly, <laughs> and, and really, I
0: I think there's only one other actress that I think could pull off Fennec Shand as well as Ming na Wen has, and that's probably Lucy Lawless. But
1: yeah, yeah. I just I have a hard time because I was such a fan of her character in Agents of Shield. Every time I see her, I'm I always just see. You see, I see, you see Melinda I, May. Yeah. I see an Agent of Shield. Yeah, I see an Agent of Shield, not a, in a galactic bounty hunter. I'm waiting for Coulson yeah. to pop up anytime. They did do that space travel at the end of the yeah. run of the show, so yeah. you never know. Right? Now, what
0: I think the story goes, if I'm understanding it correctly, because Boba was talking about how he. Was going to kill the fat pig or whatever that double-crossed him. Who well, I assume he means Bib Fortuna, like like what we saw in the Stinger at the end of Mandalorian. So if I understand yeah. it right, that at the beginning of that episode four, when he was scoping out Jabba's palace, he saw the same Nictu gang that uh, raised or and then destroyed his his home. So I think the idea was that Bib was behind that happening. Whether he, I don't know if he knew that Boba right. was among the Nick or or what. I think that's what we're supposed to believe is that somehow Boba was sc- screwed yeah. by Bib Fortuna through the pikes because he knew the pikes were paying debts to the, the Nick two as
1: well. So I think that's where the double crossing came. Right. That was the conclusion okay. I came to that, that, that Bib Fortuna was the puppet master mm-hmm. pulling the strings there. And this is because he saw Boba Fett as a threat, which this is related to it, but not exactly where we are in the story. But the you bringing up Bib Fortuna makes me ask it. We have seen several male Twi'leks throughout the run of this show. Especially like the, the servants at the casino that the other Twilight that Jennifer mm-hmm. Beale plays yeah. runs. They have the long head things hang out the back. I thought all male Twilight's were like Bib Fortuna had the one that wrapped around. I, did I miss something? You're the you're the you're the expert I really on all think these it depends
0: on, on how it grows. 'Cause I cause I think Bib had two. Mm. I I don't think he had one. I think they both wrapped around him. But his I guess were just kinda oh, okay. kinda longer than most. And I I said
1: before and you know, I could you know, I did think Bib being the haughty Creature that he was, that could have been like his his, his trying to look real, regal yeah. Or something. You know and and also,
0: since he basically took over Jabba's operation, he also ate like Jabba, and hence he got
1: really big and fat. He got used to in high. On- it's like a friend of mine who is a fan of of, of Clemson University, the local college here that's won some national championships in football in the past five or six years, and and I, they've their fan base has been not the best winners. And I asked him why, and the analogy I think that he gave to why Clemson fans are like that goes to what you're saying with Bib Fortuna. When you're used to eating bologna all your life, and then all of a sudden you get filet mignon, you sure as heck don't oh, want yeah. to go back to bologna. <laughs> that is an apropos That, that, that is a good saying, analogy. You know?
0: Now, there were two things that I saw as far, I mean, I saw a lot of feedback from fans on social media over the course of this show, this season. One was, why aren't we getting Mandalorian season three? And number two being people being disappointed that this was not the supposed badass classic trilogy Boba Fett, and I would argue that he still is, but we can we can get to that. But
1: he survived inside the stomach of a sarlacc. How much more of a badass right. do you want him? Yeah,
0: to people be? people were bringing up the no disintegrations, even though he literally disintegrated <laughs> somebody in the first episode. Literally, <laughs> so.
1: yeah, exactly,
0: exactly.
1: I remember when I happened, I looked at the the non Star Wars fan watching it with me and said. Now you understand why Darth Vader looked directly at Boba Fett and said, no disintegrations And Empire Strikes mm-hmm. Back. She was like, yeah, it's beginning to start to yeah. make a whole lot more sense. But <laughs> Boba was known right. for that, okay? But in
0: the past two episodes, episodes five and six, we got caught up with a lot of the people from The Mandalorian. We not only did Jaron, but we Vanth. saw Ahsoka, we saw okay. Cobb Vanth, and uh, so it, it, they're kind of coming in to help. And, I, and so
1: I... I think you can, you you would be safe at this point to say, but Book of Boba Fett has turned into Mandalorian yeah, that, two point that, five. that's almost
0: exactly what I was going to say. Is that since this is technically taking place before what we assume will be Mandalorian season three, that's why they're doing it here. But one of the best kind of troll memes I saw. about I wish I could have come up with this myself, but somebody had made a meme uh, of Boba Fett saying, and it, and the, the caption was. Well, you said you wanted the original trilogy Boba Fett. Well, in the last two episodes, you just stood in the background and didn't say anything. So, yeah, you got your original trilogy Boba Fett.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he said nothing. Heck, and then and, in and the last episode, the one where Cobb, Vance, and, and, and Ahsoka show back up, he didn't even show up until the last two minutes of the episode. And he didn't even say episode. anything there. <laughs> and he didn't, he didn't have his helmet on. Yeah, he's just standing there like, yeah. yep, okay, cool. And And I've seen some <laughs> of the
0: feedback about... Uh, a lot more time with the helmet off and i'm just like well there's no mystery now that we know what he looks like and now that we know that he is a clone much like the clone army was i can kind of see why he wanted to conceal his Mm -hmm. identity because if people found out he was a clone suddenly it's a lot harder to be the Mm -hmm. most dangerous bounty hunter in the galaxy
1: and and we the fact he's a clone has been established since phantom menace we know this guy looks like jango fett He's a clone of Django Fett. And it doesn't hurt that they cast an actor who looks like a badass like mm-hmm. Tamar Morrison right. to play him. So you pay a guy that looks like that, the money they're paying him, you don't have him walk around with a helmet on the hold. Heck, they even took the helmet off of Pablo Pascal for yeah. one episode in, in in Mandalorian. Pablo Pascal's a good-looking mm-hmm. guy. You're not going to pay an actor that kind of money tonight. James Earl Jones was paid for his voice. That's why it wasn't James Earl Jones underneath Vader's helmet when Luke took the helmet off. But you're paying these guys for the way they look so
0: yeah. yeah and I will say this September <laughs> Morrison I, I think he's in his early 60s now dude still looks better with a shirt off than I do mm-hmm. <laughs> so.
1: well how about Danny Trejo's cameo Danny hey, mm, Trejo's yeah. in his 70s yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and is there anybody in this planet that does not buy that Danny Trejo knows how to tame a ranker
1: oh yeah and then he's just like, like you L- and like I would a yeah. like a
0: like
1: a, like a kid. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. Like so, uh, <laughs> yeah he's very sensitive only Danny Trejo can say that line and you believe it yeah. very <laughs> sensitive <laughs> It's like, I couldn't probably be much of a bigger fan of Star Wars than I already am, but then you go and put Danny Trejo in a role like that? Yeah, yeah okay. You're you're just piling it yeah. on now. <laughs> and
0: I, I know we all loved the fifth episode, even though it was, like you said, it was Mandalorian uh, season 2.5, just getting caught up with 2.5. them. And, and we also oh, yeah. saw Cobb Banth on yeah. this past episode, the sixth episode. What I meant when I was saying that this is the Star Wars I've been waiting 40 years to see is we finally got to see jedi master luke skywalker doing his training you know and and they right. did the the de-aging technology or deep fake or whatever i guess they actually did hire the guy who did a deep fake of mark hamill in a redo of the mandalorian season two footage and then lucasfilm wound up hiring that guy so it's actually a guy who made a youtube video a year yeah, ago they, they,
1: but that's but it but that's Mark. I, I believe it is over, now now right? they
0: ran his voice through something to make it sound like young mark it's essentially like the the audio version of a deep fake. but i I have no doubt that there, at least some of the dialogue was provided by Mark, and at least some of the acting was done by Mark. He was credited, and I know that he didn't do the fighting scene in Mandalorian, but there is footage proof during of, of the making of that showed him standing there, uh, pick, picking up Baby Grogu, and he had all the dots over, over his face like like they do for the de aging stuff.
1: Oh, did did the yeah. CGI yeah. So stuff? So I, yeah.
0: I assume it was something similar uh, okay. as well here. And then, of course, we also got Ahsoka. She's getting her own series soon as well. My hunch is that's probably the only time we're going to see her in Boba Fett is is in this one. And I actually would not even be surprised if we don't even see Luke or Grogu. I know the past episode ended on the cliffhanger of which one is Grogu going to choose. Is he going to want to go back to Mando or is he going to train to be the Jedi? Now, first off, I'm not sure handing... A small child who is as curious as Grogu is about anything. I'm not sure handing him a lightsaber is a very good idea, but it, it, it was a nice visual. Yeah. And uh, the the uh, also, yeah. I can't help but wonder if Grogu is going to find a way to do both, where he gets both the armor and the lightsaber.
1: You brought that up in our in our on our prep for the show. I'd always kind of when I first saw that, I was like, ah, he's going to go with the armor. But your idea of he's going to figure out a way to do both probably makes sense. And he's probably going to be this thing where luke realizes that a jedi is supposed to be about defense and he, and he he's choosing armor which is completely defensive over a lightsaber which is a which is offensive somehow luke's going to justify yeah. it does that make sense but i i was it was nice to have the you know when when luke did the the you know help grogu remember his past it was kind of cool to find out oh my gosh he was alive and around when order 66 right. took place because he was in the care of three Jedi there, and they get destroyed right. by we the still clone don't troopers. know who
0: rescued him. He he like, had Whoa. to find a way out of it. Unless the clone troopers, like, let him live because they just saw this little child who didn't have a, a lightsaber. Maybe they just let him let him go, and he just...
1: Uh, I seriously doubt that, because, I mean, the Emperor did send Luke to the temple to kill yeah. the younglings. So.
0: <laughs> right, right. I'm just saying. But another piece of feedback...
1: I'm sorry, Lee didn't send Luke, you said, he said Anakin, sorry. And one of the other
0: pieces of feedback I had seen on social media, and I really don't want to make a big deal out of this, because a lot of stuff you see on social media, I think, is just uh, a mountain made out of a molehill by uh, a few vocal people. But there were people who, who somehow sure. thought it was a plot hole that Luke had Yoda's lightsaber, when clearly we saw Yoda lose it in his battle with the Emperor in Revenge of the Sith. And I'm like, do you really think that a Jedi Master who knows He is going to go into hiding for probably decades, 20 years or more, isn't going to pack a lightsaber with him. What, what, he's he's suddenly incapable of of replacing the lightsaber he lost? He can't make another one?
1: I don't think... This has already been established in canon. Luke lost his lightsaber when Darth Vader cut his hand off. And then there's a whole big deal made of it by Darth Vader. Oh, you've built yourself a new lightsaber. Anakin
0: lost a lightsaber in episode two and then had another one by the time it was over.
1: Right. This is a recurring theme. I know a lot of viewers are not hardcore fans like us that have read a lot of the outside material. I wish they had, because then they would go into the the importance of the Kyber crystals and why. Oh, what's that planet that from a uh, Rogue One Jedi? Why that planet was so important to the Jedi? Why it was a Jedi holy place? The whole process. I didn't mm-hmm. even watch Clone Wars and Rebels like you did, but I watched enough of them to know that. That's part of your training from going to Padawan to, to Jedi Master is building Absolutely. your own there, lightsaber. There's
0: a series that had that where it was part of these younglings uh, deciding what kind of lightsaber works for them, and the droid teacher that that mm-hmm. walks them through it is actually voiced by David Tennant. So David Tennant has a Star Wars connection now. <laughs> so
1: wow, and there's our doubles as the obligatory Doctor Star- <laughs> Who reference. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there you go. So he's in the MCU, Star Wars, yeah. and Doctor Who. Yeah, He's de- got to be definitely. one of your favorites.
0: So, as far as what it looks like, I'm assuming that this season's not going to end on a cliffhanger. I'm also assuming we're going to get a second season of Boba Fett because there's a lot more areas they can go through even after fending off the pikes. But do you...
1: Well, going down going down that rabbit hole there, I'm going ask you because, once again, you know a little bit more of the deep lore than I do. Is it ever established, canon or non-canon, what happens to the Outer Rim Territories when the new Republic takes I, over after the Empire's overthrown? Have they become part of the Republic or are they still just kind of I, the outer I, I rim? I think they're, kind they're of just like still
0: just... kind of the, the fringe thing because there was a lot of stuff in the books back in the day and I, I think it was Talon Card was one of the ones that was instrumental in kind of bringing them bringing them around. Talon Card was in, in the Thrawn trilogy that Timothy Zahn wrote and he was kind of mm-hmm. he was kind of the Han Solo if Han Solo hadn't joined the, the Alliance. That's how Timothy Zahn thought of when he when he created oh, the But
1: book. Okay. Because the way I look at it is the the outer rim, to put it in a real world perspective, imagine a a small island out in the middle of the Indian Ocean that is so far removed from any of the major continents and nations of the world that not even imperialistic imperial powers like Britain or or, or the Dutch or the French even went there. They just kind of are their own thing. That's kind of what the Outer I, Rim is I think so. Too, right? I, I,
0: to make the Western analogy, I like to think of it as that small town just kind of out in the middle of nowhere, and there's, you know, we don't have too many strangers around here. That's kind of what I think of the Outer Rim stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if you, go, if, if you see this through to the end, like you're talking about, we get a second season, it's kind of obvious. You've got to be an idiot not to see it. That Boba Fett is going to win this, and he is eventually going to be the major domo right. of Tatooine. It's going to be essentially his planet. And does that make him a dictator? Yeah, maybe makes I think him authoritarian. Sure. The fact that he sure. is saying that uh, he mean, wants
0: to rule by respect and not by fear makes it sound like he wants to earn mm-hmm. the respect, and he doesn't want to be the merciless dictator. He wants to be the the right. person that these other crime lords will want to work for. Now, why he's trying to be so honorable yeah, if you ta- as a crime lord, I don't know. But maybe they'll explain that.
1: Yeah, if if you take if you take any political science or, or history classes at the college level you will hear the term benevolent right. dictator a lot. And the history of mankind deals with a lot of those. It's not that dissimilar from the thing that you and I say all the time about certain heroes in comic books. Well, why do we cheer for Iron Man and Batman? Because they're both vigilantes that are breaking the law, essentially. Oh, it's because they beat up bad guys. They're benevolent vigilantes. It's, it, it, And I think Boba Fett is in line to become that. He is in line to become the benevolent dictator. You're going to cheer for him because he's a good guy. He's fair. And he, and he 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 fights against those that are truly bad. But at the end of the day, when you want to get real, real pragmatic about it, he's still a dictator. He still is ruling and the only one. He wasn't elected. He kind of put himself in that position. But is that any different than right. a lot of our own? And
0: again, history? it kind of goes with that hero's journey that we were talking about, about a lot of heroes actually were not very honorable people until there was this life changing incident that happened to them and that's when they take a good long look at themselves and realize oh geez there's other stuff i can live for this happened to tony stark he, he...
1: Saul becomes paul on the road right, to right, Damascus, exactly. kind of
0: yeah. thing so, <laughs> yeah
1: that's our third <laughs> biblical reference of one well episode. heck the, wow. e, there, there's a
0: lot of <laughs> biblical references in the show too so <laughs> it's only fitting yeah
1: well there are there are which is why i said i don't know what george's religious beliefs are because he literally references like christianity and buddhism and hinduism and judaism and right. islam he, he he literally touches on elements of all the major religions of, of the real world and then just several different major philosophies that are, have nothing to do with spirituality, just philosophies mm-hmm. philosophers it's like when you watch star wars and you really begin to break it down you can like george and we all know george was not the best at writing di- dialogue but the concepts that he created right. he's a smart guy he was Absolutely, definitely a student yeah. of history. So I guess the
0: last thing we'll, we'll touch on here, because we, as of this recording, we got one more episode left to go, which will be the seventh episode. And again, which I guess in itself right. is kind of a biblical rinse. But the... This, this, yeah. The hits
1: just keep on coming. This now, episode, do do you have
0: <laughs> any predictions as far as what you think? I mean, obviously, Boba Fett's going to win the fight. We already we already said that. His his side's going to win. One thing that I, th- I I think we will get, they've already hinted that he's going to ride the rancor. That, that'll that probably happen. I What I think is going to happen with the Hutts... Is you've probably heard the story or the comparison. What what is it? Chekhov's gun. The uh, that analogy where yeah, 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 the gun yeah. presented yeah. in the first act goes off in the third, and th- and this gun is in fact the
1: the rancor. You know, almost will become a Deus mm-hmm. Ex Machina. He might be the what shows up to turn the tide of the battle. I'm not. A, I never watched uh, uh, Game of Thrones, but I know enough about it. Cause I have friends who did that when. What's her face shows up with a dragon that turns yeah. the tide of the battle. It's going to be kind, yeah, of, that kind of thing. But you know? I
0: also think, from a, a again mirroring or uh, ring rhyming standpoint, the Huts were the ones that gave the Rancor to Boba in the first place. My hunch is that Rancor is going to wind up eating at least one of those Huts.
1: Right, because the Huts are going to think, well, it's right. a little to us, and find out that because he treated it good, it's now you know. As I, 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 you, well, oh, I'm sorry, you can't ask him anymore Because one of them is dead I was going to say, ask Siegfried Roy what happens uh, yeah. With wild animals No one treated those those tigers better than those two gentlemen did And it's still a wild animal right. it's still turned on and killed him. Right. I'm an outdoorsman, that's what wild animals do They're called wild now, for reason Now I know
0: <laughs> I'm not alone in that thought Because I believe that was actually done in a comic series I forget which one it was But there there is actually a scene of a rancor eating a hut So and I would imagine for a ranker, hutt has got to be like a deep dish pizza or a huge calzone or some sort of wondrously meaty treat because just how big they are.
1: True, it's a lot. That's like a, you know the old mm-hmm. we're gonna fatten them up. Well, that really yep. fits. Hutt. <laughs> so I don't know if you had
0: any predictions or thoughts as far as what what you think you're gonna see. I, I don't think we're gonna see Luke again, and I don't think we're gonna see Ahsoka until whatever other series they have. But obviously, I think we're, I think Cobb Vance survived. I think Cad Bane wounded him. That that was by design. He wounded him. He let him live. Now, the the deputy, he yes. made sure to yes, make yes, sure yes. he was dead. But I think he...
1: Oh, he shot him yeah. like six times. That was my first thought was, was like, I'm like, Cobb Vance is not dead. You do not bring Timothy Oliphant back. Now, I know, I know, it's already been announced. He's getting ready to start filming soon. They're doing another season of Justified. Yeah, it's a se- like, it's like a Dexter, sequel series. Where the, the fans, right. In fact, it's, it's actually based, my understanding, it's based on a on a, a story by Elmore Leonard who created the Raylan Givens character in novels but it's a story that actually doesn't have anything to do with Raylan they're kind of merging the two worlds for the show Elmore Leonard is one of those writers that has a very particular vibe and feel to his writing so to try to 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 wedge a character like Raylan that is so his vibe into a story he didn't he didn't have anything to do with it would would seem like a square peg in a round hole but we're not here to talk about justify, but I know that's getting ready to start. So they are limited probably on how much time they can have Timothy Oliphant, but you don't bring him back just to kill him. He's too much of a, of, of a big name. Right. Actor, and and don't I you think agree? the
0: character just went over well with the audiences when he showed up in in that mm-hmm. second season.
1: Well, I, I, I know you said when he made his debut last, last uh, season or last season of Mandalorian, you, you straight away, you're not that familiar with Oliphant. And I told you off, Mike, you're a fan of Westerns. He's that traditional, long, tall, kind of bandy-legged swagger in his walk. He's a throwback to the old western. You could easily see him I in a John saw him Wayne. As kind of. And now that you now that you've seen him play that role, no, am I, I, wrong?
0: I thought that opening scene in the sixth episode where he sees the Pike guys with with the spice. To me, that was right out of Fistful of Dollars when Clint Rose ro- into town. Yes. And, oh wow, yes. my mule! He thinks you're laughing at him, and I know you're going to apologize. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> It's, it's, you have to think, but his last three major roles have been as the the sheriff in Deadwood, which based on real character, the railing given here was a modern day. I mean, his whole shtick is even with the semi-automatic, he has mastered quick draw and carry, and wears a side holster, very much unlike most plainclothes law enforcement officers nowadays. And many times in the show, quick draw out, quick draws the bad guy and kills him. Tells him, don't do it. Yeah, I'll I'll, I've heard down. it referred and to that is very is, much a
0: modern Western, go ahead. Uh, that justified is.
1: It is. it Very much so. He wears a cowboy hat. And then now you got this, and he's a freaking marshal in a desert town who quick draws mm-hmm. a sidearm. Olafant is that guy. He is just that guy. If you need a cowboy type, he's the one you go to in Hollywood. And sure, he's a good looking guy. He's a Vanderbilt somehow. He's related to the Vanderbelts. That's a American yeah. royalty, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're good looking people, whether you like them or not. They're good looking people. So he's got the jeans. Yeah. I one one of my one of my lady friends who is in love with Timothy Oliphant. Her response to this episode was, "It's official, Timothy Oliphant is yep. America's sheriff." I can see now. that. She goes, "It was Andy. It was Andy Taylor for years, <laughs> but it is now <laughs> Timothy Ol- he has played a law a western inspired lawman in three separate yeah. roles now, <laughs> back to back to back. I'm going, there's an argument to be made yeah. there. Is and there not? really, I
0: think what differentiates him from the Clint Eastwood type." Uh, and this was by design, by, the, by mm-hmm. the movies Clint made, even later in his mm-hmm. in his career when he was directing his own stuff. Clint was not afraid mm-hmm. to play the hero that had that dark side. I don't think that dark side is necessarily there with Cobb Vanth. He's def- he, he's much Cobb. more lawful. Mm-hmm. He's lawful good, if not lawful neutral. Because you notice there was that scene where the Pike tells him that spice is worth more than your town. And he's like, well, maybe, maybe I'll just retire. But what does he do? He just dumps it right, and right. lets it all blow away. He dumps away. it
1: any- Anyways. But you did notice he didn't dump until after right. they were well out of sight to <laughs> see him do it. <laughs> uh, but it, it's, I think, Timothy Oliphant in general, but the character of Cobb Vance in particular, is, if you are a fan of Westerns, it is the perfect amalgam of the old John Wayne stereotype Western character yeah. and the Clint Eastwood man with no name. It's somewhere, it's it's right. in between the two.
0: Oh yeah, and he and even had the stereotype right down to the hotshot deputy or hotshot young gun that uh, first time he tries to yep, yep. strut his stuff, he gets gunned down. That, that's a trope as old as westerns themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah. Take the John Wayne character from no, not his more critically acclaimed roles where he gets to do like Searchers a true or true or, or, um, or True Grit. Yeah, take like the character from like Rio Bravo. Take that. Take the Angel Eyes Man with No Name from Good, Bad, and the Ugly. Whatever flies directly in the between those two. Yeah, that I, is I was Scott thinking man.
0: John Wayne. I forget the movie now, the name of it now, but it was the one. It was the movie he made with James Caan. That would that was a western, uh, and you know they, I remember the oh. shooting the bell type, and they they were they, they were shooting the bell to, to you know to ring yep. the bell to alert people. But uh,
1: yeah, yeah, oh God, what was that one? We'll probably remember it in the next segment. But well, you know Cobb Vance character because he does have a little bit of a dark side. He would have worked really well as a member oh, yeah. of the Wild Bunch. Sam Peck and Paul yeah. would have had fun. But, with But uh, did
0: you have anything that you think were in store for as far as the? The finale.
1: You, yeah, I totally agree with you. I don't think Cobb Vance is dead. I don't think we're going to see Luke and Grogu again in this this season or Ahsoka. I, I, I think the rancor is probably going to turn. I think uh, the end of this story may not end this season, like you said, it might be the next season, but eventually it ends with Boba Fett ruling Tatooine. So I, I, I am, I'm, I'm in complete agreement with you on everywhere that you think this okay. is going to go. I can't find anything <laughs> to take away. Or oh, one end, other so.
0: thing, will we'll wind up with this. I already knew uh the character as soon as you started walking in. But I think this was your first experience seeing Cad Bane in in that that kind of drawing.
1: I had seen him in the, like, like yeah. I think at the comic books and like maybe some concept art for him. But I know I've never seen live action. It was his yeah, first. That live was his action first live action, appearance, action appearance,
0: and they used the same voice actor Corey Burton to to do the voice. And right, I had right, put right. a thing right. up on Geekville Radio Facebook and Twitter where because there's a there's a gimmick that goes along with with some shows, and it definitely works for the star Wars shows where they call a no context spoilers where you can look at them and mm-hmm. you don't get the joke, but it's not actually spoiling anything just by looking at it. But once you see the episode and you look at the pictures, they all, they all make sense. So I had a, yeah, he, he is. Yeah. He, he is Lee Van Cleef from good. Yeah, Bad and I, and I believe like, even from George himself, it's like, yeah, it, it's, it's like hat. if Boba Fett was Clint Eastwood, Cad Baines, Lee Van Cleef. Now, of course that does mean Boba Fett's better. Yeah. But, but, so I, that's why right. I used the, uh, those two. So
1: then who's, so who's Tuco? Who's Tuco? <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> is like, well, oh, is he, was he the ugly and The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly? Yeah. Yeah, he was the ugly. Okay. Yeah. I'd, I'd, ugly. I'd, I'd have to think about that for uh, a little. Maybe Danny Trejo? <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know if his role's major enough, but that's still one of the greatest lines in any movie, Western or not. There's two kinds of men in this world. Those are shovels and those, with, those, with, those that dig and those mm-hmm. that have guns. <laughs> But I, I had you know, said going
0: back to our discussion two years ago, when in the first season of Mandalorian, because and, and I freely admit that I was that I was wrong. I think we were both wrong. We were putting up the 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 reasons as to why we didn't think it was Boba Fett showing up in the Mandalorian because we we were like, where's his armor? Right. What's what you know? What's all that? And of course, all that's been answered. But I had actually put it out there that I thought it was Cad right. Bane coming up to Fennec Shand at the, at that point.
1: So right, it's yeah. the it's the hat. It's the hat. <laughs> It's it's well one thing about westerns that I love, and we have discussed this show is only thing that's missing is the establishing shot with with the tumble we roll across the screen. That's the only thing that's missing. But is that a big trope in westerns in general? Is it is a genre that tends to wink and nod to its past more than other genres. Sci-fi does it a lot too, and this is kind of the amalgam of the two. So it makes sense. I mean, you've heard me talk. You know, my favorite video game is Red Dead Redemption. We've talked it many times on the podcast here. The characters, the way they're designed, just like Cad Bane, they are meant to be, if you were a fan of Westerns, go, oh, that's who the, the, the artist is going who's, after. Who's There's the a character guy. named mm-hmm. Landon Ricketts who looks just like Lee Van okay. Cleef down to the mustache. The, the John Marston character, if you didn't ever hear Rob Wadoff's voiceover and you just saw like a screen capture, you're going... That's Clint Eastwood from mm-hmm. <laughs> Goodbye Ugly, because that's exactly right. what he's supposed to be. And uh, so, so I think there are fan there are friends I have that are fans of westerns, but not necessarily fans of Star Wars. I'm going to get them to watch the watch the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett. And I think I might convert them <laughs> to Star Wars fans, because I think we said that going all the way back to the beginning of season one of Mandalorian. This was going to heavily, heavily show you George's inspiration from westerns on his grand vision of what the star wars universe was we've seen the political side and the war side this is going to be the western right. he always talked about um this the way boba fett's going this could so you just change it from blasters to six shooters you change it from banthas to horses this could have easily been any movie that gene autry or john wayne or clint eastwood or any other great western actor you could have, could have done back in the 1940s Roy Rogers. am i wrong yeah this is this is the epitome of an old-school Hollywood Western. They've just traded out blasters, six shooters for blasters. Mm-hmm. That's all they've done.
0: Oh, yeah. Don't yeah, you agree? Absolutely. So, All right. We are going to uh, take a quick break, and when we come back, we will dive into our other review. This will be—I uh, guess we're going to try to make it family-friendly because we uh, do try to be a clean show here. But with the content of uh, Peacemaker, I'm not sure how well we'll do it. But this is Geeko Radio. We'll be right back. <laughs> All time lords and ladies, Geek Girl Radio presents Examining the Doctor, a weekly look at everybody's favorite time lord, the Doctor. Join Mark and Seth as they bring their signature blend of knowledge and humor to favorite and not-so-favorite episodes of Doctor Who. From Hartnell to Capaldi, Examine the Doctor provides episode commentaries for classic and current Doctor Who fans alike. Examining the Doctor, available on iTunes, Stitcher, and at GeekGoRadio.com. All right, we are back, folks. Uh, last segment of the show, we're going to dive into the latest edition into the DC Expanded Universe Peacemaker, which is a follow-up to the last year's Suicide Squad film that was both kind of a sequel and a reboot at the same time. Cor- correction,
1: THE Suicide Squad. You know,
0: yeah. yeah, that the <laughs> makes all the difference. What?
1: <laughs> yeah, That three-letter word, man, and, makes a big difference. Doesn't and that
0: it? <laughs> was James Gunn's much anticipated hyped and uh, some would say revered because i know it got pretty good reviews but it was a very much
1: i, th- I think it's polarizing but that that's that's nothing new for james right
0: <laughs> very uh blue in comparison to the first suicide squad which was a pg-13 and this peacemaker follow-up is definitely still more of the r-rated james gunn material obviously it's john cena in the lead and it's a solo limited series. I don't, I'm assuming it's going to be uh, one and done. Maybe there'll be more seasons. I don't I guess it's going to depend on John Cena's uh, availability. But it's safe to say if you liked the Suicide Squad movie, then you'd probably like this because it's got all the violence and all the bad language that was prevalent in the movie, right?
1: Yeah, oh, there's an average of what, about 17 F-bombs yeah, I,
0: Peg Cena at having, I think, three in one sentence. If I if I counted correctly, so <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, he 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 takes the f bomb and uses it as an adjective, a noun, and a verb yeah. all in one sentence. So
0: if you're <laughs> from, uh, mainly know John Cena from his appearances in WWE or maybe some of the more family friendly stuff he's done, this might be a little bit of a shocker. But I it, I'd heard <laughs> in real life, and this is obviously not a not a dig at at John because. Uh, we all know somebody like the where he's got a bit of a potty mouth in real life. He just knows to clean it up when he's around the cameras. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah <he does. laughs>
1: so, a, a lot of wrestlers do. You just know that you right. don't do that. But in overall,
0: I only, I've only seen the first episode at this point just because of, of time and, and all that. But the main gist of the plot is after Peacemaker recovers from being shot by Bloodsport in the movie. Cause it, they didn't really reveal it until the post credits uh, scene that, that that he, he was, was alive. alive, and so he's basically given the choice of well, you can go back to prison, or you can continue working for us and target this individual, who I believe in the in the DC Comics is a is the character Butterfly, right?
1: Yes, but I think this, like a lot of things in movies, they're kind of expanding that out and and taking their own liberties with it. I I have seen five episodes. I can't remember how many is up total right now on HBO Max. So I'm a little ahead of Seth, and is. Time goes on, he catches up, we will review more and more episodes. We're just going to kind of look at an overview right now in the pilot. But anyway, yes, and
0: I think They so. are adding Vigilante as kind of a sidekick to Peacemaker. And I did read some of Vigilante back in the day, mm-hmm. because they also used that character in Arrow. And even just between how they used right. him in Arrow and in Peacemaker, there's some differences there. Because uh, oh, Vigilante yeah. is a bit of a, well, Vigilante, but in, in the comics... He's much more like Daredevil because he's a uh, district attorney in real life. I, I thought it was funny how in Arrow, they...
1: Yeah, he's he's Daredevil meets yeah, uh, Punisher, yeah, I, mean, I think, would be
0: a good... He doesn't good quite match. have the flippant killing that uh, Punisher would have, but he he's still very much... <laughs> he ain't a to kill, a In, in the comics, he was Adrian Chase, who they had in Arrow, but as uh, a villain, not as Peacemaker. But that's, that's either mm-hmm. the here or there. The, in this one, he's more of just a... Really, it's kind of a bum. The kind of everybody knows a guy like this at work.
1: Yeah, he he. As the show progresses, yeah. you'll see he's so.
0: I noticed he's that, but it's one of those things, and I think this is the approach that James Gunn takes. I'm not necessarily defending or criticizing it. I think he's taking these secondary, yeah, tertiary characters and going these weird directions with them because I really I don't think there's too many diehard Peacemaker or vigilante fans out there who would be up in arms.
1: But- like his take on polka dot man in the suicide squad that that character had a insanely stupid corny backstory in the comic books and he completely created another super corny back but more believable backstory for him in in the movie you know where he was just like just hounded by his mother all his life so he's like this this ptsd victim of of neglect and, and verbal child abuse whereas Instead of being this this art based thief who was blinded, that's a ridiculous enough backstories. It is, and James Gunn figured out a way to make it even more ridiculously different. Yeah, it's what James Gunn is doing. With this. You know, another one that another spoiler later on, they introduced Judo Master, you know, another one of the more corny DC characters. So, and it's completely different than the Judo Master in, in the DC comics. And remember, folks, this has to get approved by Warner Brothers and DC. Jeff Johns is approving all of this, you oh, know. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, he he kind of has the position at D.C. that, I don't know if it's quite the level of Kevin Feige, but he's one of those guys that's doing both the hands and creative as well as the business aspect of it. He's of, kind
1: of shepherding everything. Right, yeah.
0: right. But, and I w- another welcome cast member, because he, he really is an underrated actor, I think, in Robert Patrick, him being Peacemaker's father. And really, like everything else, it is pretty much a comic relief more than anything, although they did reveal that he's... The guy that's making all the peacemakers' helmets, and of course, each of the helmets have have certain powers to them.
1: Right, and you will find out in later episodes once again. He has a a, a, a character. He is a he is a a villain from the DC world called White Dragon. Which, yes, take White Dragon literally. The, this is a supervillain that has a costume that looks like a white dragon, and also take the analogy to what a dragon means in the term of the Ku Klux Klan. He is a neo-Nazi white supremacist villain. Okay.
0: Because I know if you look out there, you you can find the list of episode titles. And I think mm. it's the, the episode that's going to drop this week. But it's mm. actually called right. Stop Dragging My Heart Around, which right. is, a, is a play off of the famous Tom Petty song. But dragon is spelled like the creature dragon. It was a Tom Petty and Stevie Nicks, I think, right?
1: Yes, it was. It was, it was a duo with them. Yeah. It was a duo with them. But
0: that also just totally fits with James Gunn's humor right there you stop dragging my heart around
1: i was speaking of of james gunn and you brought the fact that the music relation you and me have both talked at length before about how we we love james gunn like like sam Raimi, like like quentin tarantino you can tell their musical likes based on the soundtracks to Mm -hmm. their movies yeah there is no and it fits the character of the chris smith peacemaker the john cena peacemaker perfectly there is like just Boatloads of lesser-known hair metal bands from the 80s. That right. is the soundtrack. Yeah. And, and some know.
0: some of them are known, because I, I, I think yeah l- listed in the soundtrack, because it's actually a Spotify playlist, which I'll link in the show notes at geekoradio.com slash 300. There's some Motley Crue and stuff in there, but there's also the lesser-known stuff, like the Choir Boys. I think they had a pretty memorable yeah, scene yeah. in that.
1: In choir choir boys uh wigwam does the opening credits music there's some other i wouldn't know crew but firehouse had a yeah. hit or two they're they're in there faster pussycat they're in there they had a hit
0: i remember i i don't think it's the nuff's enough song that i remember most but i remember hearing them in the uh soundtrack as well
1: they are y and t their biggest hits in their summertime girls which like i said these are these hard rock and hair metal bands from late 70s all the way through the late 80s mm-hmm. but the way John Cena does the character and the way it's written that's the perfect music for it, don't you agree oh yeah and
0: john cena's right about that that age that that we are i think we're a couple years older mm-hmm. than he is but but still he's old enough to remember when all these songs were uh, oh yeah were all on the radio and
1: it's it's just this over the top cheesy testosterone driven stuff that just fits his character
0: and me being a car guy i'll, I'll add this the, the fact mm-hmm. that he drives a, a mercury comet and it's all decked out like like the american flag and for those that might not be car people the mercury comet is it was kind of like mercury's version of the mustang you might say yep uh, yeah was
1: there is there like mid-sized muscle car
0: right uh, so that also fits with James Gunn where you take the – they could have done it where he's simply driving a Mustang. But James Gunn kind of takes it to that different level where it's, no, it's not a Mustang. It's actually the Mercury version of the Mustang. <laughs>
1: I love the fact that his sidekick is a bald eagle. Yeah. Named
0: e- Eagly. Eagly. Because they have that scene in the first uh, episode where
1: – In attention? Uh, yeah. the, the He hugs him. <laughs> yeah. No, Eagly is voiced there by D. Bradley Baker, who is a very, very – sought after and highly regarded video game voice actor who is perfect for every, and he's credited every episode. So yeah, D- good Br- for him for finding some good work.
0: Absolutely. Cause D Bradley Baker is one of those voice actors. It's like, if you hear critters and kind of oddball, weird chatter in a movie, chances are it's either D Bradley Baker or Frank Welker, uh, who we all know from or, in, like, no, Megatron. Or, or, and, or Fred Tassel. Okay. Yeah. Or yeah. Fred you're Tasker. probably right there. Yeah. Fred.
1: Uh, I think Fred does the voice of like, like uh, Ruffalo's, growls and roars as the hulk in marvel
0: because i think he's done the hulk for animated stuff for cartoons and, and games as well so
1: but most of the time you hear hulk smash that's probably for fantastic Four.
0: yeah <laughs> now i'll ask this question since i saw the first episode but i haven't seen the others the uh woman shall we say that he has the affections with so to speak at the end that they have that campy Agent, fight and-
1: Age, age at handcourt. Yeah. Well,
0: right. She, they're clearly building her up as the, uh, the main love, yeah. love interest. Yeah, she, she's eventually going to find something attractive about him because that, that's just how they dangle the carrot in the first well, episode. They already
1: dangled it in the first episode when she right. said, just because you're handsome doesn't mean you can get away with it. He goes, right. Listen, you think I'm handsome? Like
0: that part when the, the famous scene in Dumb and Dumber where Jim Carrey goes, oh, so you're saying there's a chance. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there's a chance. Yeah. I guess the best way to describe, maybe think about it, the best way to describe this peacemaker is the body and fighting ability of Captain America, but with a lot of Beavis and Budhead and Stifler from American Pie thrown in an attitude. Do you agree with that? Yeah. That yeah. Analogy? It
0: sounds like he's Captain America, but with almost exactly the opposite of cap's features because obviously steve rogers is not just captain america he's a good man in in real life steve rogers is a good man not just captain america whereas peacemaker is just a jerk and and that's by design
1: yeah and you you'll find out the more the show progresses i don't want to say they soften him but you begin to realize that he's not a bad person he's just really screwed up
0: and and very self-centered and maybe a little narcissistic and all that
1: and he is. And, and you find out through his backstory why he's, you know, I think this is basically functioning as an origin story for Peacemaker with only a, a few flashback scenes. It's more about you see how he reacts to other characters, reactions to him, and it makes him internalize and think about things. And let's be honest, if you're truly a, a, a jerk or a villain, you wouldn't care what other people think about you. You and, wouldn't reflect upon
0: that. And like we were just talking about, he has that kind of thing where he seems taken aback that that people Hey, He's more like a, wow, I thought you'd like me or something to that effect.
1: Yeah, I mean, Joker, Doctor Doom, you name any great villain, Kingpin. Do they ever worry about what, when, when somebody says something bad about them? They don't care. Right. And the fact that this character is, like you said, taken aback. Wait, Wait a second, I thought we were cool. That should tell you there's more going on there. He's not a bad person. But overall, what did you think? One, you're not the DC guy. And two, you're not as much into blue stuff as I am. Mm -hmm. What did you think overall just on the first episode?
0: I think i go back to what I said at the beginning, that if you like Suicide Squad or James Gunn's Suicide Squad, the Suicide Squad, you would like this. So overall, I'd I'd say I liked it. I probably liked the movie a little better. But again, this is only going off the first episode. So. Right, I, But I think we're we're getting at that point, kind of like what we talked about in the last segment with, with Boba Fett, that when you – not that Peacemaker's a villain. Obviously, he's he's still being portrayed as a protagonist. It's like
1: – He's an antihero, if anything. Right.
0: You have the incident or origin, so to speak, you, that causes the character to take a good long look at themselves and then turn themselves into a more heroic character. It seems like we're probably going to see that um, throughout the course of the show, right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, you will. You will. And now, none of these characters that are his support team that work for Argus and Amanda Waller, none of them have any, any comic book analogs that I that I know of. And I'm the DC guy.
0: Right. Now. Not, not that I noticed either. I, I actually thought that the actor that was playing Clemson, I, I thought I, he was in Kevin Smith movies. But I, I looked up his INDB and I, I didn't see any anything needed with Clemson. Because mm-hmm. I, but all the actors are very well chosen. That's something I can definitely co- comment James Gunn on is he... He definitely has a good eye for what actors are playing which roles.
1: Yes. And that has been a hit or miss thing for DC unlike MCU where the, we we we've always said they do a really good job at casting there. Right. That hasn't always been the case with, with DCU but I think they nailed it with this one.
0: Yeah, it se- it seems with DC they were going more with the writer directors for their cinematic universe whereas marvel they they definitely have some good writers and directors and such but yeah like, like you said i think they tend to gravitate more towards the casting aspect than dc warner brothers
1: i i love henry cavill ben affleck's been great gal gadot is perfect ezra miller's been great i ray was ray fisher so the main justice leaguers i think they did a good job but some of these other characters ha- has been questionable at best I thought Will Smith did fine, but he would have been my first pick for, like, Deadshot. Jesse Eisenberg's Lex Luthor was horrible. It's universally considered bad.
0: Goes back to what we say a lot of times when we talk about casting. They act to please directors.
1: Yeah, exactly. It is what it is. Mm -hmm. Gene Hackman's take back in the day on Luthor was highly criticized. And you're going to be hard-pressed for me to criticize Gene Hackman because he's my favorite actor of all time. But I think for what he did... It was obvious he was having fun playing the role. He was having a time of his life.
0: People have to remember that back then, Lex Luthor was not the business mogul type. That was a a revamp that was brought about to him after Crisis Infinite Earths. Before Crisis, Lex Luthor was much more the mad scientist type. And uh, so Gene Hackman's version was almost kind of a, I don't want to say an amalgam, but there were the mad scientist aspects of it with, with him, but... You, the nice suits and stuff like that he would wear. I, mean, I think a lot of people mm-hmm. who might be younger than us think of the more modern Lex Luthor, where he, you know, take your pick of the billionaire mogul businessman yeah, all, uh, type, you know.
1: Always considering to run for president, that kind of thing. Yeah,
0: right. Exactly.
1: I think Lex Luthor that Hatman was portraying was probably very similar in that era to Dr. Sivana. Shazam, Cap, you know, DC's Captain Marvel's major bad guy, who has always been portrayed as a mad scientist, and then Max Strong's version of him in in the Shazam movie was a very different take on that. He was more of the the evil corporate billionaire who believed in magic, you know, and was trying to find these powers. So we've said it before, we said it again. Don't get so enamored and so emotionally tied to the comic book depiction of these characters because. If you do, when you watch a movie, there is a large chance you're probably going to be disappointed because they're not going. They just can't. They have to make the character what fits their movie. Not this recurring episodic thing that is comic book, and it's two hours, not seventy years of history, and exactly. the, ch- the character cha- changing multiple. Right. You
0: know. I think I would give the premiere at least probably a B. Yeah, like, a thumbs up at least yeah, for sure. Definitely, yeah, yeah. So I'll I'll watch the rest because I I hate starting a series and then not finishing it. So I will I will definitely yes. finish it. Yes. Now we can wrap up our, our thoughts on the show with that because I think there's two episodes left as of this airing but would you, would you agree with that statement at least as far as over that, that yeah, grade or
1: yeah 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 about about, about there bb B plus uh, i think it's gotten a little bit better but like it's like like we told our listeners I, i'm a few episodes ahead of you if you can handle the blue language and and stuff go for it don't go into it expecting the netflix marvel stuff that right. stuff was very very well done right. but also much more serious this is definitely a comedy
0: it's not just a show that has some funny moments it is a comedy
1: not to speak ill of of the Eternals, but it's not nearly the slog the Eternals was. By <laughs> the way, I looked at the Eternals was well, Disney's got me to jump on this hype train for twelve years now. I'm not going to jump off all of a sudden, right? <laughs> Might as well see it through to the end, you know?
0: Right, because we we were talking about that for uh, a couple of years now. It's like when's going to be the the first turkey that Marvel Studios does? So,
1: and I think <laughs> we both we both said this is a strong possibility.
0: <laughs> but that's going to wrap up this edition of Geekville Radio. I know we went a little bit long here, but it's been a while since we've done a show. So we will be back soon to talk more news. We're going to finish up Boba Fett and Peacemaker, like we said, on anything else that comes across the pike. And let us know what you think. We can be found at GeekvilleRadio.com. Social media is Geekville Radio on Facebook and Twitter. And Train, if anybody wants to find you on social medias to talk about comics or wrestling or whatever, where, where can they find you?
1: I'm always available on uh, Twitter at crazytrain underscore JB. I say it all the time. That's pretty much my handle across all social media platforms. So whichever one you choose, look it up. Crazytrain underscore JB It's probably me. I'm also a moderator uh, on uh, our Facebook page and Seth and me talk almost daily. So if I miss something, he'll let me know.
0: Absolutely. And if this is the first time hearing us, we can be found Geekville Radio on the podcast if you're choosing. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it. Just do a search for Geekville Radio, you'll find our family of podcasts. So let us know what you think. Let us know what we're doing well. Let us know what we're not doing so well. Give us a review. Give us a follow. I always value feedback, even if it's negative, as long as it's genuine. So we're going to turn down the power here in the Geekville Radio studios, and we'll talk to you folks again next time. Geekville Radio is not sponsored or endorsed by any product or company unless specifically stated. The views expressed by the host and or guests are purely their own and do not represent the views of geekvilleradio.com, a1-wrestling.com, or any affiliates. Some media used on Geekville Radio is the respective copyright of its publishers, all rights reserved. Okay,
1: okay, okay. Yes, yeah, yeah, sorry. Okay. We'll, yeah. we'll start we'll do yeah. again. We'll do it again. Yeah. We'll- no, wait, wait. Okay, ready? Yep. Three, two. Wait a second, Seth. We have seen two huts together, Gordula and Jabba and Phantom Menace.
0: And that's the thing about the huts and about them doing the nasty or whatever. The thing is, huts are actually hermaphroditic.
1: Well, aren't Gordula and... Wait a second. How do you that? Oh, gee, look at the time.